Welcome to the Lesbian Review Podcast. I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by the fantastic Katie Williamson, author extraordinaire. In her, her bio to me, she says the following. She's black, very southern, even though I've lived all over the world. I started writing in high school, then discovered Xena and fanfic. So was it Xena fanfic that got you on the road to writing? It actually was. And I remember when I discovered it, I was um, in college. I was working at the library at my college. It was one of my three part-time jobs. And I was actually searching to see when Xena came on. Because I think it had just started and there wasn't a lot of advertisements for it. And so I was searching the internet, you know, and I was like, fanfic? What is that? So I looked it up and I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay, that's what it is. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. And I've been, the more I read, uh, the more I got into it. And I was like, you know, let me put my hat in the ring and see what I can do. And it turned out that I was not bad. So how long were you writing fanfic before you became a published author? Oh, my God. I want to say 10 years. No, over 10 years, maybe 15 years. Oh, really? Yeah, I went from uh, Xena fanfic to Rizzolian Isles. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And is the Rizzolian Isles where you get your inspiration for some of your Cops and Docs series? The first uh, two books, very much so. Um, I think, but um, cops and docs are heavy on the human condition as opposed to mystery and all that stuff. I mean, to me, I wanted to explore like a, a, you know, a different side, the personal side, as opposed to, um, oh, I have to go solve this crime or, you know, and all that stuff. So uh, I thought it would be interesting to do that, you know, instead of going along the lines of this doctor and this cop working together to solve this grand mystery or not so grand mystery. So, and and it actually works. So you work in mental health. I do. So you've, you've naturally got a fascination with the human condition. So this Mm -hmm. is obviously coming out in your writing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So if somebody has never read your work before, describe, describe what kind of books you know, you would categorize it as, is it a romance? Where, where, where are you falling? The first three books are very much romances. Not exactly the sweet popcorn kind, more realism, I, th- I think, with the characters and everything. I don't like to do over the top. I like down to earth. You know, somebody, I like to create characters that you could meet on the street, have a beer with, have a glass of wine with, have lunch with. So I, I kind of concentrate on, on that area. So one of the reasons I wanted you on today is because you wrote this really interesting blog and you titled it Guilty. So do you want to talk us through what the blog is about and just give us a kind of an overview of it? Sure. It was, and I can't, I'm trying to remember where I got the inspiration from it for. You know what? I think I know what it was. Ilva had something on there. Um, we have an author's, author's group and uh, there was a post from Astrid about uh, being appropriate in uh, describing um, people of other races. And, you know, and I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, as, as I went back and I listened to Blurred Lines on, um, on a audio, as an audio book, and I was just like, you know, I did the exact same thing. And, and I remember rereading it and I thought, you know, I did the exact same thing that 
that we're now talking about not doing. So I said, okay, I'm going to write my experience from it. Because at the time when Astrid um, direct messaged me on Facebook, I was like, "Are, are you kidding? You know, I was just so happy to be like discovered, I guess you could say that I didn't think about anything else at at that point. It didn't even occur to me that I could change my characters to depict more of what I look like. It did not, it did not even, because my default, white was default as far as I knew, as far as I knew. I had had not seen, um, I had not seen any, Last fic books with a, a black woman on a cover or anything like that. But, but then again, like I say in my blog, I don't read, I don't get to read a lot. So I don't know what the history is concerning it. I did a, um, a video uh, thing with a, a Ilva panel with uh, Renee Bess and Andy Marquette and some other people. And we were talking uh, about the whole, um, ethnicity thing and, and lesfic and you know this when I brought that up I was like you know I it never occurred to me that I could use black characters as main characters and I was just like why not why not why can't I and so when I got to between the lines I was just like okay this this is what it's gonna be you know I'm an interracial relationship myself why not write about it and see what happens Astrid was more than willing to, you know, she, there was no qualms on her part about putting a black woman on the cover. None whatsoever, which I, I really admire her for. Cause I know we had talked uh, before um, a little bit about sometimes that being an issue, you know, because people say they want diversity, but when they get that diversity, they're like, uh, but I don't know if I can relate to these people and I'm here to tell you that we fall in love just the same way everybody else does. There's really no difference. I mean, there may be a little cultural thing here and there, but there's nothing different. There's no big secret as to how black people or Hispanic people or Asian people, there's no, we do it just like everybody else. We're part of the human race. Absolutely. If you can read about elves and goblins, you can read about black people or exactly Indian people or whoever. Exactly. And and actually it makes for a more interesting and diverse uh, culture that uh-huh. you're experiencing rather than just the same old, same old typical butch femme romance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And even uh, with the whole, <laughs> and I know this is kind of, it's a going off topic a little bit, the whole Butch Femme thing. I, I think, um, if I remember correctly, Between the Lines was flagged or as, as a trigger warning because it was Butch Femme. And I was like, what? I, I didn't understand that either. I was just like, but, okay, and I understand we a lot of the younger generation, you know, they don't deal with labels and, you know, and all that stuff. But, but I'm just like, so you're pretty much negating like a whole section and, and saying, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm butch. That's who I am. That's just who I am. So to say that's a trigger for people, I don't, I don't get it, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, between the lines is very much a butch femme type relationship. Now the first two books, eh, Skirted the line a little bit, but not really. I would say it was somewhere in the middle. 
because I, I saw you post that on Facebook and I was so horrified by it that I actually, mm-hmm. we did an entire podcast dedica- uh, series dedicated to Ask a Butch. And one of the episodes, I actually talk about this and I say what, I asked the, the, the two, my two guests, what their reaction was and they were equally horrified about it. Why do, why do butch characters need to be flagged mm-hmm. in as, as something that, you know, needs a trigger warning? It's ridiculous. It is. I agree. So, okay, so in your blog, you say, and this is something that I thought was particularly interesting, you say, I never saw a black woman on a cover and my thoughts were white cells, that's why. Okay, so now you've done the whole two books with white main characters and your third book had a black main character. Uh So is the thought right? Did white cell better than black? You know, I don't know. I mean... Between the lines, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it was because I was established that it sold well or that it was diverse that it sold well. I'm not sure about that. Um, so I, I don't think I can really answer that question to, to be truthful. But did it sell better than blurred lines and crossing lines? No, it did not. It, 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 I don't, not that I'm aware of anyway. Uh, I know it was it sold a lot. And I think the feedback was a little different too. I got a lot of feedback. Oh, I thought this was going to be a continuation of Nora and Kelly. And, you know, when I had made it clear and and granted, not everybody reads my blog, not everybody pays attention to my Twitter or my Facebook or, you know, things of that nature. But um, I made it, you know, very well known that, okay, this is not going to be the type of series where it's recurring characters. It's a recurring theme, you know, so pretty much each book, you know, after the first two, we're going to be a whole different set of characters. So um, there was a lot of outcry. Oh, this is not Kelly and Nora. I didn't like it, you know. So, so again, it just, uh, it, it skirted the line there between people saying, you know, I didn't, I couldn't get into these characters. And it made me wonder if they didn't say everything that they wanted to say. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. So I, I guess some peculiar, you know, I, I guess some very insightful feedback and I got some peculiar feedback, it, you know, it just, this kind of made me go, okay, what aren't you saying here? And then you went on to write pink. Uh-huh. That's a, a, a black leading lady, isn't it? It is, and it's not a romance. And how did, and what was the feedback on that one? Uh, <laughs> it was very diverse because it wasn't a romance. I didn't market it as, as such. I didn't. The blurb on on the on the cover was not even remotely hinting that this was, you know, uh, oh, so and so and meet and fall in love and go through these conflicts or whatever. I didn't even hint at it. Um, critically with reviewers, it got, you know, good reviews with that because it was, uh, um, a, you know, a real thing about, um, a black woman, a butch going through a breakup where she was cheated on and her finding herself again after she lost herself. That's, it was plain and simple, pretty upfront. Um, she had um, a best friend, you know, that kind of lit the way for her. So it was critically with the review, it did well. With some readers, it did well. Uh, did not sell as much as I would like it to a- at all. I think 
I think maybe it didn't even crack the top 10 on Amazon, if I remember correctly. And your others all hit the the, the top 10? Number one. Yeah, I think the other three were number one. Um, so, and I, I had no, um, I wasn't disillusioned. I kind of knew that it wasn't going to go there uh, because of the subject matter, uh, because it may have been a little bit too real. I'm not exactly known to write wholly likable characters and I'm, I'm <laughs> and I'm okay with that I mean because again uh, I, I kind of like to depict real life and and I think in real life you're gonna have some people who are sweet and some people who are assholes I, I it's just the way it goes I mean you know so I was like okay I'm just gonna write whatever you know maybe this person's not likable at the beginning and by the end they become a little more likable but not wholly so so um, I think her starting off as, you know, I went through this breakup, I'm still shaken by it. And I kind of found my way through women and ended up mistreating a lot of people along the way. Some people could identify with that. Some could not. So as far as it being a black woman doing it, again, I got some feedback uh, that was, again, sometimes what are you trying to say here? You know, type thing, you know, just say what you're going to say. So it, it, it skirted that, that the whole thing there. I think it's one of my, I think it's my best work I've written, to be honest, uh, because of the realism depicted in it. And, and you know, so, but no, it, it was not, it did not sell well, but I'm okay with that. Are you going to continue having main black characters? Yes, I am. I am. As a matter of fact, because I said in my blog, I like writing what I know. This is what I know. I'm, I'm in an interracial relationship. I'm married to a white woman. And I know that those kind of relationships are everyday type thing. So why not continue writing about it from, you know, this perspective or, you know, under these circumstances or what have you, you know, but each circumstances are going to be different. Obviously, I don't want to do cookie cutter type stuff. But, um, but yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. And, and that's how I'm going to continue. And now, you know, that's, and that's just the way it is. I personally think, uh, we need the diversity because black lesbians are so missing in lesfic that it kind of reminds me of lesbian fiction, like, you know, 20 years ago where there was so little of it that, mm -hmm. you, you know, you just read every little piece you could get your hands on because, mm -hmm. you know, there were only like so few books. Exactly. And, yeah. And you had to kind of get a flood of authors coming into the market and writing. And even some of it was terrible, terrible, terrible lesbian fiction. But still you read it. But still you read it because mm -hmm. there's just nothing like there wasn't, there was such a, mm -hmm. a, a, a mass of missing what's the word, representation. And mm -hmm. I think, I think this is where black lesbian fiction is sitting at the moment where there's white lesbian fiction for days. I mean, but we're now sitting with a serious lack of representation for all the other races. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that a whole, um, that study that was mentioned on Twitter by the rip bodice. I mean, I think that helped, you know, things as well, because it was just like, whoa there was such I think an outcry I mean you had some people who were like oh my gosh I had no idea and then you had some who were 
well, you know, maybe they didn't just have, maybe they're not getting quality work. I mean, you know, so it was like, I was part of that argument, you know, back and forth with a few people um, who were saying, you know, well, we don't know how much quality work they have. I said, so you're telling me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, there are a lot of diverse people writing less thing. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that, that, that there Absolutely. are. So you're, you're telling me that all those people who are sending in their manuscripts, none of, none of it is quality writing, you know, to where, um, you know, certain publishers had 1%, uh, you know, 1. 1.5 or two. You can't, you can't tell me that. I mean, you know, and then we saw what happened with, um, what's the name of that publishing company? Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it kind of, um, there was a big uproar online about how they treated their, uh, their, uh, like, uh, their black uh, authors. It was a big thing about how they didn't, they wouldn't put black people on the cover because they were told it wasn't going to sell well. I cannot remember the name of the publishing company right now. I don't know why, but yeah, I mean, so it, it tells me that that's still prevalent and it still believes. You know, when I'm here to tell you, do I know for sure that uh, Between the Lines sold well because it had a white woman on the cover as well as a black woman on the cover? I don't know. I, I can't I can't tell you that, you know, but um, I, I can say I, I think uh, my writing has something to do with it. You know, uh, the subject matter has something to do with it. But I think we've gone past the the white as default thing you know mm. that, that we have we have to get over that that hump we have to okay so let's let's play out the argument for a minute that the black leading ladies don't sell as well as the white leading ladies okay mm-hmm. so as a publisher you go all right well i want to sell books so i'm only going to do white leading ladies the problem mm-hmm. with that is that you're never going to sell the black leading ladies then because you're never exposing the audience to it. Mm-hmm. So there isn't an opportunity for anybody to get used to reading or, or discovering because I'm telling you that there are black lesbians out there who are dying to find books that represent them and they don't even mm-hmm. know we, they exist. I know. Right. Yeah. So you have to put out the books in order to attract the audience. That's how it works. You know, you can't, hope that the audience is there that's not like i guarantee you when lesbian fiction first started selling it wasn't selling as much as it's selling today mm-hmm. I, I agree totally i mean because again because i told you i didn't even know it was out there you know i'd stumble upon a few books when i came out and and i and i remember reading the few books that were around and i was like these are not they're not very good but okay I, I mean you know it's like uh, okay I mean it was very mild and you know it was just it was almost like somebody took lesbian characters and plugged them in to you know and it was just like I'm not seeing anything new or, or different or I remember reading um a mystery with a a, a lesbian detective and it was okay. I mean, you know, it wasn't, you know, like, oh my God, who did it? Or this is so suspenseful. This character's so great. But I remember reading, you know, uh, when it got to her falling in love. And I remember thinking, 
wow, where is the heat? When I was a teenager, I used to read Harlequin Romances. I mean, you know, voraciously. I mean, you know, I was, I was like 13 and I shouldn't be reading this, but you know, still it's, it's, it's like, oh my God, it's so good. I mean, you know, so, and I'll go, and I'll go like, wow, I can't believe women are writing, you know, writing this stuff. And so when I read, that was my first book I read. And I was just thinking, okay, this is supposed to be a mystery romance. The mystery is okay, but where's the romance part? I'm used to reading how there's build up and then there's this big explosion thing. And then when I got into fanfic, I was like, oh, that's where it went. And then as I read a little bit more less fic, you know, years and years later, I was like, okay, now we're here. We're, I think, where we're trying to be. But again, it, when I was reading less, it never even computed to me. I'm not reading about people that look like me. I'm just reading about lesbians. Because we're so conditioned to specific normalities, if you like. And I say that in in air quotes because it's not actually normal, it's just common. In lesbian fiction, white is the default. And it's it's frustrating because on a personal level, I do want to read about a range of characters. I don't want to just read about the same blonde and brunette duo Uh blue eyes green eyes you know i'm very picky these days i I like what i like but i want something different sometimes too i just don't think there's anything wrong with that because the only difference i think when you have a a major you know a a main black character (laughs) is the color of their skin that that's it i mean unless you're exploring some aspect of black culture, you know, that has not not been seen or read in books. That's the only difference. I mean, you know, okay, like in between the lines, you know, I I, I broached the topic of racism, but I it wasn't it was just an everyday thing on there. I mean, you know, it wasn't something that I pontificated on and went on and on and got preachy about. It was just an everyday thing. Oh, she's black. She experiences racism. It's an everyday thing. As as we see, you know, in the news right now, uh, the whole thing about uh, white people calling the police on people, who look, black people who look suspicious. That's why I make it an everyday thing. To me, that's, that's an aspect that's missing. If you're going to write about black characters, let's not... What's the word I'm looking for? Let's not whitewash them. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Exactly. Let's not whitewash them. You know, let's have their experience be their experience. And and I I feel like that's what I did. You know, you may go into a store, people may not want to touch your hand when they give you your change. That's an everyday experience. You could be in a restaurant and somebody staring at you. I mean, you could be the only black face in the restaurant and somebody staring at you. It's an everyday thing, and you know that's what it's about. Why not write about it and increase that awareness, you know, because for people, this, this is one, one of the things that pissed me off is when people say racism still exists today. I was like, well, it never went anywhere. I, I don't know what you're talking about. It hasn't been extinguished. It, it, it's always been here. I see it every day. I see it amongst my own people. I mean, you know, so don't don't tell me you know oh how can this still exist today because it's inbred it's in institutions it's it's everywhere and you can't just 
sweep it away and act like it doesn't exist and be shocked when it is brought up. You know, uh, to me, the fact that lesbian publishing is still lagging behind with, you know, that's a form of racism. I mean, you know, it, it, it is. When you tell authors, you know, oh, you know, I don't know if we should do that. Or maybe, okay, let's say your character's dark-skinned. You, you say she's dark-skinned, but maybe we should put somebody of lighter complexion on the cover. That's racism. It, it, it really, it truly is. These little small things that, you know, people may not think about is a big deal. It, it, it still is. And I'm not, and trust me, I'm not saying that if you choose not to read a book with a black woman on the cover, that you're racist. I'm not saying that at all. Okay, I'll, I'll say that then. You are. There we go, I said it. So. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, if go that, no, if See, that is if that's your sole reason for choosing not to read the book, of course you're a racist. Well, yes, yeah, that's that's true. If that's your sole reason, oh, I don't think I can. Uh, I mean, oh, does she have braids? I mean, because I, I think in pink, the main character had dreadlocks, and I know on the cover, uh, they were depicted. So if you're looking at the cover and you're like, uh, I don't know, you know, yeah. That, that's racism, but it's different. I mean, and I'm not, I don't know what's in people's hearts. I mean, you know, but it's, it's, that's a whole different category of things. I, I don't, oh, what kind of, how are they going to speak in there? I mean, you know, are they going to use Ebonics? We don't all use Ebonics. I, I'm sorry. We, we don't. I talk this, this, the same as everybody else. I mean, you know, and I've heard, I've heard these things, you know, how are they going to talk? How are they going to act just like you? I mean, you know, just, just exactly like you. It's not anything different. Now, in my, in my work, you know, I, I, worked, I lived and worked in New Orleans for a while. And some places have a whole different dialect on, you know, how they speak and, and all that, which is just the way it goes. I mean, and that's everywhere, I think. And I used that. I, I depicted that in Between the Lines. Did I have some people write me about that and say, well, I couldn't understand. I like the book, but the use of language was a barrier. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, but, and you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm very good now. Thanks to Tara uh, <laughs> for, you know, not, res- not responding <laughs> to our reviews. <laughs> but, uh, I was so tempted to go like, you know, you understand that people do talk like that. That's just the way that I'm not making it up. It's, you know, it's something that happens, you know, and I wanted to say that so badly, but I left it alone. I I don't get it sometimes. I I just, I just don't. And I'm not a naive person by any means. I'm 45 years old. I mean, I've, you know, I've experienced violent racism before, so I'm no... I'm not, um, what's the word I'm looking for in the closet about it, I guess you could say. So, so when I went, when I, when I, when I talk about wanting to see more black lesbian leading ladies, I want to see genuine depiction of what life is like wherever they live. So if they're in New Orleans, I, I want to see that because I, I yes. feel like it gives flavor to the book that isn't there otherwise. Exactly. 
it's it's like reading British lesbian fiction. I love reading British lesbian fiction because when they talk about being in London, you know, you feel like you're in London. You feel like there's so so for me, it, a, a diversity in characters does the same thing. But okay, let me stop you there. The British are so much better than we are. So I mean, you know, <laughs> everything. <laughs> Everything they do, it's like stamp with a golden ticket. So you know, and it, 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 so I, I get that. So it's just like, oh, I, I like British everything. So I, I'm on board with you there. I just mean like, I want to experience different cultures and different things and different. Uh, you know, I don't want it to be a white version of a black experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does exactly. When we were talking about whitewashing the black people, I got accused of that too. Was uh, the character Tanya in uh, Between the Lines? It was she was educated, she had a successful job, a career. You know, uh, she was taking care of her family. It was a, uh, I guess, a self fulfilling prophecy in a way because there's a section of the book where she uh, hasn't, uh, she's had past anxiety over the fact that she's been seen as not black enough. So it was actually quite ironic, I guess, that I got an email saying, oh, she's a black character, but she's not exactly black enough. And, and I was like, wow. I mean, so what does that mean? Not black enough. I don't, I don't know what that is. But it's from, you know, from my own experience. I'm, I'm black. I'm educated. I came from the middle class. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, I've never been, um, you know, um, part of, um, low income or anything like, you know, that, uh, you know, anything like that, but I've worked, I work with people in low income, you know, so, um, which is, is a, you know, it's something that occurs. It's something that happens, but I don't understand why certain black people or certain people think that in, in the black culture, one part of the culture is a better depiction of black people than another part of the culture. Does that make sense? If you only ever depict the, you know, the one aspect, like that being the aspect, so so the poor, the unemployed, mm-hmm. then you're never going to to hit the aspirational notes that fiction should be hitting as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree totally. Yes. Yes. Okay, so in your blog, back to your blog again, in your <laughs> blog you had this big aha moment when you realized that um, you yourself were were <laughs> guilty, if you like, of mm-hmm. not representing your own culture. Yep. Yes, I correctly, was. Right. And mm-hmm. so tell me, how is that, like, what did that do for your life at that point? And how has that affected your sense of self and your writing? And this aha moment actually happened a while back. I don't even know there's a word for it. I felt bad. I felt like, what the hell? And it's just like, why would I tell other people? It's almost like that don't throw stones at glass houses thing. You know, okay, okay, but I'm enlightened now. So I can say that to people. But but I need to advertise my own guilt in, in it as well. I mean, you know, so it's just like, I cannot believe I did that. I was sad. I was angry with myself. I was like, wow, I really bought into that whole, this is how we're supposed to be described. But 
I'm not cappuccino and I'm not toffee or, you know, whatever. I'm not chocolate. Or, you know. And I've seen many black people use that language themselves because I think <laughs> we've been internalized to do so. So it's just, it's just like you automatically do it. I was down on myself for a little while after that. And I was like, oh, maybe I should never talk about this again. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to talk about it. I I got to the point where I'm going to talk about it because I've moved on from it. And I I think I've become an advocate, you know, for it. And uh, so I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to write it as such. You know, when I write my own, when I do my own work, I mean, nothing wrong with describing somebody as brown skin, dark skin, or, you know, whatever, because it's what you make of that character. You get the sense of their physicality, you know, but it's what you put into that character that makes it more. Now, they look black, you know, they look white or whatever. To me, my characters are real people, but to me, they don't become those people until I may use my own experience. I may use aspects of myself, my friends, my family, you know, uh, all that. They don't become those people until I pour into it. You know, it's just like I'm more than the color of my skin. Everything goes deeper than that to me. So why can't it be that way for characters as well? I have to say, I absolutely admire your, I'm going to say bravery, because it is to to admit that you have your own battles inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes guts. I just, in a recent podcast, I had a knee-jerk reaction that was very homophobic. And I, I was taken aback by it because I was like, what? How am I homophobic? I'm, oh. You know? I actually spoke about it on the podcast because for me it was important to talk about how internalized homophobia still exists in my life even after, you know, however many years of being out. Mm-hmm. It does. It's not an easy thing to admit that you are a flawed human being and there are things yes. that you are working through. But mm-hmm. I think it's important. The more we talk about these things, the more other people realize that actually we're not, um, they're not alone. They're not weird. Nobody's actually perfect. No, no, you're right. You're right. And it's weird because I think I've become known for that, depicting my faults, I guess you could say, because it's just, I don't blog a lot unless I move to write one. I mean, you know, so when I do, it seems to have an influx of, whoa, I can't believe she said that. But it, it seems to be, you know, oh, she wrote another blog about uh, racism or something, or, you know, or uh, the biphobia thing. I mean, you know, I have people thinking I'm bisexual. I'm like, I don't have to be a bisexual to advocate for bisexuals. It does that doesn't make any sense. But I seem to get in trouble a lot concerning, you know, my views on, you know, things. And I'm okay with offending people. You know, it starts a dialogue. So yeah, if I feel like, oh, I I messed up and. You know, it's obvious that I messed up. And so I need to address it. You know, I'm going to do so. So, uh, you know, it may be next month before I realize I screwed up something else <laughs> or or I didn't say something when I should have said something or, you know, I have another aha moment. But, you know, and I'm sure I'll blog about it and offend people. And... OK, let's talk about quickly where people can find you online. So you have a Twitter profile. What is your Twitter profile address? It is 
at Rizzle's Lover 72. Okay, and you've got Facebook and Instagram and your website, right? I do. And all the links will be in the show notes for interested listeners. I'm Sheena. I've been joined today by the fantastic Katie Williamson. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It was fun. If you enjoyed this podcast, then consider becoming a patron. Patrons get exclusive content. That's all for this week. Bye.